Ohio Habla es un podcast que nace del proyecto Narrativas Orales de Latinos en Ohio, Oral Narratives of Latinos en Ohio. Exploramos la experiencia latina con entrevistas en español, inglés y spanglish. Welcome to Ohio Habla. I'm Elena Fowles. Today, I'm talking with Sofia and Joseph, two Latinx professionals about dating. Bienvenidos a este episodio. So I haven't dated anyone since the 90s. So I know some about online dating and dating apps because I have friends who use them. While I do want to talk about dating in the digital world, I'm curious Do people also casually meet someone at the grocery store, the coffee shop, or the airport and have spontaneous conversations that lead to a date? Do friends or tias introduce you to un amigo or una amiga who they know might just be the right person for you? I'm interested to hear from Sophia okay. first. Yeah, we're like navigating the Zoom <laughs> podcast world where you're not sure like who should talk. <laughs> okay, yeah. So I'm I'm happy to be here and be part of this conversation. So I'll just put this out there too, right? That my name is Sofia. I'm Chicana um, with mixed right Anglo Mexican heritage, and I identify as straight and date men. Um, so <laughs> I would love to imagine a world where this whole like um, like super romantic serendipitous encounter in the grocery store leads to like a really great conversation and then you know a date and then like happy life but that just hasn't been my lived experience um that hasn't even necessarily been the experience of of people close to me in my life because of the dominance of the sort of digital dating world and not only online dating and apps and these sorts of things, but just the way that we've sort of shifted to be more inward in our relationships with each other, right? I don't think that there's this sort of, um, and I, it's interesting because we're here like in the Midwest um, where there's often this rhetoric of like, oh, like Midwest nice and this very open friendliness. Um, but I do think that that sort of culture, especially among like technology-based generations like like ours, right, is sort of shifting and less and less all the time of being sort of openly interactive with strangers, I guess, um, which that, that's just kind of my perception. So I haven't had too many like coffee shop airport encounters, but I have had them. And I will say that um, none of them have ever led to anything serious, but I do sort of have a sort of surface level um, exposure to this kind of encounter and this kind of feeling, but nothing has been like, you know, successful or productive or fruitful for me or whatever. Um, and it's also, of course, really interesting to think about all of this, especially like in-person interactions, like now, because like, what, what do we do? How, how does one even date in a pandemic? Um, is it even safe to do so? And so I think that we're in this interesting moment where like this inward turn that I think I was talking about is like super heightened right now because that's literally what we're being like directed to do and it's what we should be doing to stay safe. So um, yeah, I guess that 
I, I would love to like say that I've had some of these like um, movie moments, but I just, I just really haven't. I agree with Sophia. It's like a, it's a dream idea. Um, and in my case, what sort of doesn't help the, the, the fairy tale sort of pressure that we already have <laughs> to have those encounters and to have what my little sister calls a meet cute, right? Um, you know, I always dream about a meet cute sort of like, oh no, I spilled my coffee on his shirt. Oh, let me get that for you, right? This, these, these sort of romantic um, scenarios <laughs> that I dream about. Um, what, what adds to the pressure is that I come from, uh, um, you know, a, a, a history. My parents had a story like that. They had a real life <laughs> encounter like that in the church where you sort of this <gasps> moment when they first saw each other and just, I mean, they actually have a, a very, an amazing love story that I'm very envious of. Um, and so growing up always sort of with that, I, like I said earlier, I come from a heritage of stories and storytelling. And that was always a big one. My mom's favorite one to tell was her love story with my dad. Um, so here I am growing up with, you know, um, with the same sort of aspirations that, um, that, that a, a partner and a, and a, and a lover would uh, that I would, I would meet someone in that way. But what, what complicates, um, <laughs> what complicates that for me um, uh, more so is my identity as a gay male. Um, so, so I, I am a man, a cisgendered man who, who only dates men. Um, and for the most part, I tend to date um, mostly other Latino men or African-American men. Um, that's just sort of been my, my experience. Um, and, uh, you know, our communities, as we, as we know, we, 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 <laughs> we struggle with, uh, with, with a lot of machismo um, that, uh, that definitely translates into, <laughs> into homophobia and, and, and heteronormative uh, expectations that really complicate my ability to meet guys in, in a natural way. It's actually very dangerous. Um, I find myself um, very reluctant to, to flirt in public or to, um, uh, to, to even engage with, with other men that are straight presenting or maybe masculine presenting. Um, because I, I know for, for myself that it, I can be putting myself in a very dangerous situation if I am not overly cautious when, um, when interacting with other men. And even, even when, um, when I have not initiated an encounter, I have had um, some scary encounters with men before. Uh, if you just sort of look at them the, the wrong way, um, toxic masculinity, this is just what it does. So that's, that's been a bit, uh, that's been my experience. And so as a result of that, I have found shelter in online dating. And I think I speak for most of the queer community, especially uh, more feminine presenting men, gay men. I think I especially speak for, for uh, them in our community and especially in the Latino community. We, um, uh, you know, we, we, we face a lot of danger. And so there is a, there's a, a layer of safety that the online dating provides, um, <laughs> which, which, you know, unfortunately I, that, that has resulted in me also only being able to count on my hands, the number of sort of natural encounters or occurrences I've ever had with men. And even then, um, usually any flirtation or any conversation is then later only taken up online <laughs> and not in the moment when I would meet someone naturally um, 
also in in response to the part of your question uh, where you ask if if uh, friends or family ever set you up. <laughs> no, <laughs> um, that that's a whole other story. I'm I'm sort of on my own <laughs> when it when it comes to dating um, for the most part. So that's been a bit of my experience. You know, I had never. I, thanks for for sharing that, Joseph, because I never thought that the online dating would provide a safe place for women or uh, for for other you know groups where that face-to-face interaction could be dangerous, right? Um, and it's actually, I've always thought about it because I've never done that, right? I've never uh, used any dating apps or do, you know, uh, look into online dating. Um, and so my knowledge or, or understanding is limited uh, by just, you know, experiences of other people. And I actually had never heard what you just said as a, a way of maybe meeting, meeting somebody and it provides a layer of safety. So I, 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 I'm glad that you share that because I had never thought of it in that way. Um, and why that might be, right? Uh, maybe a, a safer space than than meeting somebody in person, especially, you know, at a place, I don't know, like, you know, people think, oh, what, what about at a bar? And then you think, well, it's a, a bar, like, is a bar really safer than a dating app? Right? Uh, so there's those questions. And I also want to point out that I know both of you, and I know, um, you know, a little bit uh, uh more right about you and it's interesting that both of you have parents that have those I guess uh very romantic stories I guess of how they met and they've had they've been married for a long time as well um and and it's just um interesting to think that there is part of you that um, sort of likes those stories and, and wishes maybe something like that for you. But also I imagine as parents, including myself, you know, with my own daughters, how could I support or advise when we are doing this or you are dating in a very different world than, than I did or that your parents did, right? Can I respond to that, Elena? Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. Okay, yeah, so... Joseph, I definitely appreciate um, the point you bring up, like Elena says, about this added dimension of safety of online dating, which I don't think we necessarily think about a whole lot, but it's so true that you're censoring sort of your interactions with people and also the way that you're presenting yourself to like a pool of to an online dating community. And so I can, I can see there on the profile, right? Like, uh, not to get all political, but like if this person says that they're way conservative, like I'm a swipe left. Um, <laughs> and, you know, if somebody thinks that might be, um, you know, sort of deal breakers for a lot of people, whether somebody has kids, whether somebody is a, a smoker, you know, this sort of thing that um, are increasingly like visible and common on dating apps, like you have the ability to like right then and there say like, no. So I think this culture of like being very selective, which is not, you know, getting to Elena's point about uh, the sort of this um, shared 
parent story that we both have, right? My parents met on a blind date and it just worked out. Um, and I'm not, I don't say, I'm not trying to say that I think that, you know, our parents' generation were necessarily less selective, but there weren't the options, right? Like that I think that are truly like our thought process in terms of um, what we expect out of a relationship or who we imagine as a partner has a lot of nuance because of things like online dating that maybe wasn't the case, you know, 20, 30 years ago. Um, or that maybe wasn't as immediate, I would say, right? But it's so immediate for us because of these tools that we have. So I think that is definitely something that I I think about and just in terms of like you, it's like you have this, search engine database of people that you just have the instant ability to cancel (laughs) or not. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I'd like to respond that. I mean, I, those are definitely um, some, some gains that we have in, in, you know, some added options that I guess online dating provides us, especially, I know you, you said you grew up in a, in a small town. If we're relegated to, um, you know, the areas that we live in are maybe limited in terms of who's around us. I, I know that for myself, online dating has expanded the network uh, of, of possibility that I have access to. But additionally, I want to expound upon my earlier point that I, while I'm, I'm happy to have online dating as an option so that I am not, um, uh, uh, I guess, I guess, you know, trapped into only having to have the, the having to endanger myself if I'm going to <laughs> interact with men at all. Right. But, you know, I, I can hide behind online dating, but I wish I didn't have to. And sometimes it's online dating also presents these, um, these challenges, some, you know, uh, sort of presenting your, your full self on this online platform, um, is is a challenge. Um, you know, what are what are some of the things I even put on my profile, right? What are what are the things that are important to me um, or essential to me that that I put on there? And I and it's interesting to. Um, I'm curious to hear um, a little bit of your experience, um, maybe with different apps or or you know just over 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 the years with online dating because I find for myself that um, I have. I go back and forth and I change, I change this detail and that detail about my profile. And then I, I, uh, experience um, changes in, in how I'm received and, and who, you know, um, who comes my way, which I, I find, I find it very interesting. There's definitely a, a whole culture to online dating. That's very difficult to navigate. Sometimes I sometimes wish I didn't have to, um, deal with that alone, but that I also had the option of, um, in-person interactions, because I do think I'm a, I'm a people person naturally face-to-face. I like the way that I tend to interact face-to-face and it's unfortunate that for myself that, um, I don't feel free to do that with, with guys just in the natural world. Yeah. I, so also a little more context for me currently single and have been using dating apps on and off probably for the past, it's really since I moved, started grad school here. So almost five years. Um, and I just have such a love hate relationship with them. I mean, I will download it and use it for a few weeks and then say, you know, I, I get a little bit closer to the almond, our trash 
thing and I deleted it. And then, you know, a few months later I re-download. So I have this sort of, um, which is probably a relatable cycle for a lot of people. Um, right. That's sort of my relationship to the apps themselves is that it's been very inconsistent for me. Um, and I have met some really great guys on dating apps. Um, nothing that has, you know, resulted in a serious relationship. Um, with the exception of one, but I have like, I've met some great guys. So I have surpassed the sort of, um, or I, I would say I, I sort of reject the stereotype that nothing substantial or serious can come from online dating because I don't believe that. Um, but I do definitely what you're saying resonates with me in terms of sort of, um, the politics of how you present yourself and then the sort of, engagement that follows based on how you're presenting yourself. Um, and I guess, you know, in connection to, to this, uh, the context of like Ohio Abla and us talking about the Latinx community, right? Like as someone who's like, right, like a Latina, but a white Latina, like that's, you know, I, that's how I'm perceived, right? Like, um, that's not often not the assumption, like no one really assumes my ethnic heritage or identity based on the way that I present myself in an online profile. But if you have a conversation with me, like that's something that you usually learn about me pretty early on. Um, so I think that that's something interesting too, that we can, you know, be aware of in these conversations, um, is that the Latinx heritage component for a lot of the Latinx community that look like me, you know, like that's, that's not something that's immediately visible, like on an online profile, but it comes across culturally and in these other ways. So I'd be interested uh, to hear what you have to say about that too. And, and Elena, you too. I wanted, I have a question really quick. Do you on your profiles ever put your, your ethnicity? Um, like for example, for myself, my little trick, I just put a Puerto Rican flag <laughs> next, you know, emoji next to uh, whatever else I have in my profile. I'll have that and a gay flag <laughs> as like a clue. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah. So I, I have done, um, I don't think I've ever, I don't even know if there's an app where you can indicate like your heritage, maybe so maybe hinge, I think. But um, I have, I think usually I will like have something in Spanish. Like I, I think I like, like I've definitely used like chingona or something like that. You know, when, when you're like crafting your bio and you're like, I need something that's sort of, you know, um, catchy here. And so that's definitely like a, a sort of Latina feminist marker that I have used in a profile, which um, people you know, either get or don't get, but certainly signals to other Latinos specifically, which like what you were going back to about dating mostly other Latinos or black men, that there are certain like cultural signifiers that are going to be more legible to people of color. But anyways, yeah, I, I guess that kind of answers your question. Well, I don't have anything to add in terms of like what I put because I don't. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it is interesting to hear, um, you know, like the differences between the possibilities that there are in, in the online world versus the meeting in person. Um, uh, in, um, 
And also, like you mentioned, Sophia, earlier, the fact that we're in a pandemic, right? And and I wonder if that has heightened people's awareness that we need interaction in a different way that we didn't know we needed or that we realized that we don't know how to how to interact <laughs> in person anymore or do you know what I mean? Um, so I feel like these times have heightened our desire for connection, face-to-face connection, um, person-to-person connection, and which then maybe gives us an opportunity to consider how how do we do this, right? How do we do this uh, when we are back in person or when we do have the chance to meet somebody, you know, at the grocery store or something like that? <clears throat> so I'm, you know, I don't, I don't have an answer for that, but it's giving me sort of this idea of like, is dating, you know, in, in these times also an opportunity to think about how we interact in person, even though we're limited. I don't know if I make sense. <laughs> yes, that makes sense. I think um, what, what, one of the things I'm, as I'm thinking about my experience this past year, you know, during the pandemic, if I'm honest with myself, I think my interactions on, on, on dating sites and everything has gone down exponentially since the pandemic, which is a really interesting and surprising uh, you know, <laughs> thing that I haven't even given much thought to. I'm, I'm thinking about it as we speak that, well, I really haven't opened, um, you know, this or that app in, in months. Um, so while the need for interaction has risen, my actual online interaction has gone down. And um, I'm, I'm, I wonder if anyone else has experienced that or <laughs> if there's some type of correlation there, or if it, I don't know if it's, just myself. Um, but yeah, that's the impact the pandemic has had for me. It's almost like less interest in dating and almost kind of resigning myself to just, this is me time. This pandemic is giving me an excuse to just have me time um, and, and let that be what it is in every, in every, uh, <laughs> in every way that that can mean. Yeah, I would definitely agree that that has especially in the past few months been the case for me too, is this, I, this, um, like being okay, right. With the, the reality that, you know, dating in person is not even necessarily safe right now. And it's just not a priority in my life. So, um, if there's interactions in online dating, I know that, you know, it's maybe a few like texts here and there, but it's nothing, it's nothing substantial. And I will say that when the pandemic started, I was in the one serious relationship that I've been in that resulted from an online dating app, um, which, you know, ended in um, July. So it's been several months now, but that I think that, um, you know, I have, I wasn't even, um, I wasn't thinking right. When you're in a relationship, you're never thinking about like, you know, what happens when you break up and you're not in the relationship anymore. Um, but I do think that because I sort of went into the pandemic in one relationship situation, and now that we're, you know, nowhere close to even being out of the pandemic, but I'm in a very different place now, um, being single, right. Having a lot of time physically to myself, like working from home, 
Um, but also, you know, taking that sort of emotional respite from, from being, you know, engaged with someone else. Um, it has been healing in a way. And I also do think it's, um, I think it's like reflective of how a lot of people are navigating this time that you're, you're forced to sit with yourself a lot, like literally. Right. And so what does that mean? for our relationships to our own selves. And then also I think that that returns into the way that we, we do imagine, you know, a partner or what we want out of a relationship because you're, you're sort of left with all this time to really think critically about those things in a way that when the pace of the world and our day and our dating life is so much faster and um, normal, so to speak, right? That we might not be so um, introspective and critical about some of those things. So Sophia and Joseph, you are both in your 20s. Is there still pressure from La Familia to have a novio or a novia? And I want to add that you all have grown up in the U.S. and Ohio, uh, like you mentioned earlier, and small towns, nonetheless. <laughs> uh, and you're also from different heritages. So I'm sure some of the dating, uh, family dating pressure might look different or not exist at all. So I'm just curious to to hear if that's still, you know, if you if you have that from your family, like, tienes novio, eh, estás viendo a alguien, estás saliendo con alguien. Well, my story, <laughs> again, is going to be colored a little bit by, um, by my queerness. Um, the answer was yes, right, for, for um, a long time. And then I came out and that just kind of completely changed the trajectory of everything. And I, so I think the answer, if, if, you know, with a lot of my family would still be yes, but it's, it's um, now it's, oh, I wish, you know, I wish Joseph would bring home a girlfriend, you know, <laughs> or which was so it's, it's a little deeper now than just the, Oh, you're supposed to get, you're supposed to follow this sort of life itinerary of at some point you, you date and then get engaged and have a ton of Puerto Rican kids. Like <laughs> um, I definitely grew up with, with that. I mean, I remember ever since I was little, the, it, it wasn't, it wasn't posed as a question. Do you want to get married? It was uh, one day, Joseph, when you have a wife, one day when you have a, have kids, it's just assumed this is a part of the life cycle. It's what we do. Um, and um, it's not even, a, it, even after I came out, it's interesting because even after I came out, I still was operating on that assumption. I still was operating um, on this very heteronormative worldview that sort of in order to be complete as a person and in order to have lived a full and complete life, I need to get married one day. I need to have a, a spouse and sort of adhere to this like monogamous uh, dream. Um, and what does that look like as a gay male? And really, really, I was sort of just adopting um, this, this heteronormative um, inheritance, right, of, 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 an, of a life itinerary and trying to sort of adopt it to my queerness. And only in the last year have I really started to actually uh, step outside of that and, and reevaluate what I really want and actually, um, actually start to consider other not very non-traditional options like just being single. 
<laughs> and not being pressed about uh, about about marriage uh, ever being in my life. It could be, but um, just not being pressed and and not being. Um, not believing that that if it if it doesn't happen for me that I've somehow missed out, um, you know, uh, <laughs> uh, is something that 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 I have to do right. And even um, recently, I've started to to uh, really really step outside of the heteronormative mindset and even think about um, even question monogamy right and question. Um, whether or not, whether or not, you know, maybe I can find fulfillment in a, in a completely different way of engaging in intimacy and, um, and engaging in relationship, um, with, <laughs> with those around me. Um, so that's kind of where I'm at in, in, in terms of this question. Um, <laughs> I'm interested to hear from you, Sophia. Yeah. So, I think that my, similarly, right, um, you know, I don't identify as queer, but I do think that my response to this question is also gauged by sort of how I have been my sort of role within my immediate family unit and how I sort of have been perceived. I am very fortunate um, to have grown up with a family of very strong, independent women on my mom's side, right? That's the family that I grew up with locally in Southern Ohio, right? So I never knew my grandfather because he passed before I was born. So I always saw, you know, even my grandmother as widowed, but not lacking in any way because of that. Um, and my family also has a family farm. And so I've, I've grown up, right, with these experiences of women, like being um, strong, independent, like farmers, um, where my mom and my aunt, their husbands, so my dad and my uncle, right, both married into the family and are sort of, on, in that sense, the outsiders. So it's kind of a matriarchal context, um, which I think sort of fed this idea, this narrative to my sister and I growing up, which is, um, which was not one that fed this, you know, um, you know, make sure you're, you know, presenting as feminine to attract a good suitor, this sort of thing. I did not grow up with that at all. Um, actually, I felt like I got a lot of flack from my sister and mom when I started to explore like makeup and femininity and fashion in high school and as a teenager. So I really wasn't really even interested in dating until late in high school and then in college. And so I had um, a boyfriend for two years in college, which was a abusive relationship in many contexts. And I think that as my, um, you know, as my sort of first serious relationship did, that was traumatic for me in a lot of ways and sort of has, you know, in the years after college and, and since moving here into grad school has really sort of tempered the way that I approach dating in general, specifically into the extent to which I want to share that with my family, right? Because when you come to terms with an abusive relationship and your abuser, that's not something that you, you know, that sort of territory or breaching those sort of subjects with your family can, can be um, very sensitive. And that has certainly been the case for me. So um, I guess I sort of have this, you know, my, my family would probably say there's this perception of me that I'm um, very private about some of these things, although I don't really see it that way. Um, 
And so I don't necessarily feel a particular pressure from my family, but I do, I do feel like on my dad's side of the family, I think if I were to, you know, I've had hints of this, but even if I were to spend more time around them, you know, there's definitely that, um, where's the boyfriend? Are you seeing anyone? And I'm thinking about like church ladies too, that I grew up with the grew up in a Presbyterian church. Right. So I definitely have had hints of that, but I, I don't feel like, um, there was necessarily a pressure and I still really don't feel like that. And I mean, I'm very grateful to be able to say that because um, I know that that's not the case for a lot of people, especially like you're pointing out, Joseph, when so often it's in the context of this heteronormativity, right? Which can be very um, harmful. So I think uh, I know this, the answer to this question, but I want to ask it anyway, just to have you on record. <laughs> uh, as Latinx is, is there an expectation either from from family, um, and I know you both come from mixed, you know, families too, uh, but is there an expectation to date um, other Latinx people um, or not? In, in, or is that a preference of you uh, for yourself that um, you want to, you know, to date somebody that's, that is Latino? I can jump, I can start us off. I do think that this is when we, we definitely need to like turn this, the conversation to a really important thing that Joseph brought up early on, which is the role of machismo in the Latinx community and how that is like very much a part of dating experiences. That for me has been sort of the biggest hurdle, I would say, or red flag when I think about you know, dating Latinos, not to generalize that all Latinos are machista, but it is, uh, you cannot deny, right, that that is so, is so deeply embedded in the cultura, like it's so strong. Um, and so for, to encounter a Latino, like a young Latino man, who has a consciousness of machismo and who is actively working against that is very rare and very hard, I would say. Um, so I guess that's like sort of just, I just wanted to throw out there as we go into this question. Excuse me. I, I agree. That's um, definitely a, a factor. <laughs> that um that that complicates uh you know any any time interacting with other with other latinos <clears throat> usually um what what happens is if i am interacting with another latino man or an african american man they're out right or they're they're already to some degree comfortable with their queerness um so that's sometimes in my personal experience uh uh that that saves me a little bit from um, having to experience the the intense machismo because usually the men that I interact with I, I work very hard to filter out <laughs> the the machismo by dating online and and only those who who proudly um, identify as their authentic selves um, 
in terms of the question about whether or not there's any pressure from my family about the race or ethnic identity of anyone that I date, no, I actually always grew up with with my parents being very, uh, very open minded and, and um, you know, they themselves are a mixed marriage, white and Puerto Rican. Um, and so I think having that experience themselves of being a mixed cultural marriage, um, just always been very open minded. Um, you know, I think that for all of us, sometimes our parents see our, who we choose to date, they see themselves reflected in, in that. Right. So my, my, if I, if I was someone who dated women, (laughs) um, I think when I was little, my mom, maybe maybe did have maybe a picture or a dream of me dating a Puerto Rican woman, because in some weird way, it's like a reflection of um, how I relate to my mom. I've I've heard this from, I've I've heard this from friends who, uh, who date outside of their race and the opposite sex parent, um, some, uh, this is a, this is a thing I've seen with, with friends that often the opposite sex parent feels feels weird right if if um if they're um dating outside of their outside of, outside of their race like it's some type of reflection of how how they feel about that parent that gets really complicated for me when i when i come out and start dating men but <laughs> um but for the most part i think no my family's always been very open minded and instead some of those the desire to preserve culture uh was harped on in other ways like i uh, I, I grew up not being fluent in Spanish, unfortunately. That was a thing that was an issue. Like for my abuela, for example, she she made a big fuss about that. But I don't think would have ever made a fuss if I dated other if I dated non-Latinos. Um, personally, my my personal preference, I I I tend to usually choose to only date uh, other other men that are Latino or or black. Um, I think that just has a lot to do with attraction and um, uh, also a little bit to do with the fact that I am a white presenting Latino. And I notice my culture is very important to me. And I, and I notice that what what happens a lot of times with, um, with immigrants in the United States that are white um, or white passing, um, it only takes a few generations for sort of a a culture to get to sort of dissipate. Um, And there's something about the nature of whiteness in the United States that that does that. And um, I think I I think for myself, (laughs) an interesting factor in in who I choose today, something that's important to me is, is preserving preserving my cultural heritage as a Latino and choosing to date other Latinos or, or, um, or black men somehow, I, I think I, I, I feel like I'm, I'm making an, an, uh, an effort to, to preserve, uh, my culture. I can do so more successfully than if I, if I date white men. And I know this is another question that we have. I, I also had ample experience with white men, um, that, uh, I don't like how I feel when, 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 I, when I'm, when I'm <laughs> with white men in a romantic way, uh, there's, there's stereotypes that definitely are, are played on. And I know we're going to get to that part of the conversation, but those are just a few of the thing, thoughts that, that come into my mind in response to your question. 
So, so yeah, now that, so Sofia talked to us about machismo, right. And the, and the community and, and, um, and how, um, I mean, we can, we can say that that might be a stereotype, but, but it's still culturally rooted. We still are working through that, right. We're still, um, um, teaching our young men to, to work, to acknowledge toxic masculinity and, and work, work towards it, right. To, to end it or to, manage it or whatever the, the case might be. Um, but there are also other stereotypes that exist in the, in the Latino, Latina communities, so, such as people believing that Latinos are great dancers, hot-tempered, jealous, and charming lovers. Do you deal with some of these stereotypes when you date uh, non-Latinx or even other Latinos? Uh, tell me about those experiences, if you have any. Any uh, examples? I guess I will start. So just, it is a segue here, following up on, on Joseph's comment too, about sort of, I guess um, for me, I, I always, I do have a very, um, I would say ethnically and, to some extent, right, culturally diverse family background on both sides in terms of my own generation. I mean, my I have a lot of um, my dad's cousins um, on his side married other Latinos, married, um, uh, some of them married other white people. Um, I have some cousins who are Chinese and Mexican, um, Chino, Latino, they say. Um, and on my mom's side, even right, growing up in Southern Ohio, I have two um, South Asian cousins, right, who were adopted from India. So I feel like I I grew up with this sense of connectedness to people who looked different than me um, via family, and that is something that I I value in in my you know romantic relationships too. Um, and I think that, you know, my parents instilling in me a sense of, or a value in being with someone who, who cares about right um, world cultures and, and is interested in having conversations about, about the world and about other places and has something to share, right. That's different. That brings something different to the table. So I think that's sort of where my rationale in terms of, you know, why I, I tend to not only be more attracted to men of color, but, um, that I really value their sort of cultural perspective or their own histories and experiences that they're bringing into my um, life in the relationship because it's it's different than mine. Um, and I would say that in terms of when you are, so if I'm dating a non-Latino person, but a person of color, that there's sort of varying degrees about the knowledge of these stereotypes. And obviously that knowledge is a lot stronger when you are dating another Latino. So I would say that in my experience with dating other Latinos, I actually don't fall script to a lot of these stereotypes um, because that's not really my true, that's not the lived experience of like my cultural upbringing. Although it's something that I have connected with much more as a young adult, especially over the past several years in terms of like, you know, um, like learning Spanish, right. And, um, developing a network and a close friendships with a lot of other Latinos. Um, so I would say that I feel like I am maybe perceived as more Latina 
when I'm dating someone who's not Latino. But if I'm dating someone who is Latino, I maybe feel less. So I don't know if that makes sense. It's an interesting sort of play on like agency and power, um, which is all definitely connected to like how we um, align ourselves, right? With different identities that we hold. Yeah, I, I, I feel like what Sophia is speaking on is, is for me, if, I, if I'm with white men in some sort of a romantic or sexual way, I feel exoticized a lot of times uh, by them. I think that's, that's the experience that I get, which is very interesting being someone who is, is white passing, <laughs> um, very comfortably white passing. I mean, um, you know, when I walk the streets, I, I'm, an, I'm a recipient of white privilege, just the same as, as a non-Latino white person on account of my appearance. Um, and yet, um, you know, <laughs> um, it, it, my experience with, with white men is that I get exoticized very quickly. Um, and it's different when I'm, whereas I, I feel like, uh, a lot of times I, my actual culture and, and the importance that it has to me, um, the actual lived experience of my culture and the importance that that has to me is valued for what it is um, by black men, by other Latino men. And I, th maybe that is what has a lot to do with my choice, um, you know, in, in, in dating. Um, I am a person who <laughs> does to some degree um, exhibit a lot of the stereotypes that you listed. <laughs> so um, that complicates things because, um, because there's also this feeling of, you know, this sort of icky feeling of reinforcing. When I, if I am currently being exoticized and then I'm just being myself, sometimes I end up reinforcing those stereotypes and it's, very, it's a very obnoxious experience. <laughs> so um, I think that uh, that comes into play. You know, and while it's interesting too, because while these are all stereotypes that have negative consequences, they there's there's grains of truth in every stereotype, and there's things about these stereotypes each individually that I actually really value. Um, about I think I think what they do is these stereotypes they distort things that are true about um, our culture that generally that tend to generally be true and. Um, you know, I grew up with the influence of my mom and that side of the family, um, the fiery Latino. To me, what, what, that, what really is going on is we're life livers. Like we, we love to live life fully and experience it in all of its seasoning. I mean, you know, and that is something that I take pride in, that I celebrate about our culture. What's one of the other stereotypes? Um, jealousy, loudness. I, you know, the, these are things that I think are, are connected to observable truths about our culture. It's just that the stereotypes distort those truths into something negative. I completely agree with you. I mean, it's uh, being, uh, you know, when, when, when they might say, oh, they're hot tempered, it's, it means that we're affectionate, like, and we don't have reservations about being effective and um, being affectionate and showing it, right? So we, when we see somebody and we love somebody, in general, and I'm generally speaking, you know, you hug them, you kiss them, you, you know, you are affectionate. And, um, and you're right. I mean, those, uh, they become stereotypes because they're distorted from the reality of a culture that's really 
uh, warm, right, and and uh, expressive, and that um, wants to let you know, you know, that you are loved, that you are welcome. I don't know. It's it's a. Um, I agree with what what you're saying for sure. Uh, and Sophia, I, I think you have some, you know, something to that effect too. That sim- similar experience, I I bet. Yeah, I wanted to say something about the dancing, like don't don't come up to me if if, like if I'm gonna be dating a Latino like we're gonna dance and I don't even know a single case where that would not be true like (laughs) you know and no we're not gonna go like I mean nobody's going to the club right now but like we're gonna go dance like salsa and bachata and he's gonna know how to move his hips because men can move their hips too like white men take note um So I definitely think that's like a stereotype that has a lot of truth too. But then again, like you're both saying, right, there's that really rich cultural connection to music and to dance. Um, And so that's something that I haven't yet had the experience of like taking a a non-Latino like to like to dance in those dials. But I maybe that day will come and I'll have to check back in with you all. (laughs) Um, yeah and I just want to mention something that you that you said Sophia and and I don't know if uh, that has been your experience too Joseph Uh, but um, and I think it's very important what you said and I think we could do another podcast about this but the fact that you said um, that when when you date non-Latino men you're perceived as Latina, right? And and they, there's no question about it, right? Because of, you know, your 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 how you embrace uh, that identity, that part of you. Yet, if you are with a Latino, um, they might not see you as fully Latina, right? And that there there's this question about like, no, you're a gringa Latina or something like that, right? And so you have to sort of which you shouldn't, right? Um, but you have to sort of prove how Latina you are um, in that context. And I don't know if Joseph, you've had that experience, but um, I wanna point that out because, and I wanna point it out because I want that to end, right? Eventually, I think I need to, we need to talk about it and, and bring it up again and again. So that is not the case at some point. So th- there'll be one day when we don't have to say, yeah, we are Latino enough, right? Yes, I grew up in the U.S. and I have one parent that's Latino and one is that's not, but I'm still Latina or I'm still Latino, right? Uh, yes, I I am monolingual, English only speaker, um, or I'm bilingual or whatever the case might be, and that doesn't mean that I'm not Latino or Latina enough. And this seeps in th- into the dating world as also, right? Yes, Elena, that's like, it's so true. And it's also so relevant to the conversation we've been having, like, under the surface about whiteness, because we definitely we need to be having more of these conversations that like, yes, I am white. And I have, you know, I have mixed ancestry, but like I occupy a white body, like Joseph was saying, when I go down the street, like nobody questions me. Um, But I have Mexican heritage and I have those connections to the culture and that's okay. It's okay that I occupy all those different things. And that does not make me less right. Because we do the damage of 
aligning ourselves with an experience that might not necessarily be true of our lived experience when we have to prove so much. Um, I think we run the risk of, of doing that. That can be very harmful, right. To black and Brown communities um, and people that are very much, it's part of the erasure of the Afro Latinx community. Right. Um, And so that's something that I am, I have been trying to listen in and really think a lot about uh, there's some of those conversations that are happening right now um, in places like on Instagram um, and different activist communities of we're talking about whiteness and Latinx community. Um, I think it's also this, yeah, this narrative or this idea that there's a, there's a, um, you know, you're not enoughness for whatever reasons. Um, And then the potential, the sort of pitfalls of, of that rhetoric, right? So I definitely appreciate you bringing that up. Yes, I, I appreciate that too. Um, and I, I agree. I, I want to add another uh, element to that. Um, you know, while I have experienced uh, sort of the, the, the pressure to have to, per- to prove my Latinidad or perform it to some degree, depending on where I am and what the context is, I also find that sometimes my white privilege plays out in this really surprising weird way within Latino spaces. And that is where I will be afforded uh, a front and center space in the Latino community because I am Latino and have a white white face. And, you know, as I think all of us know within our own communities, we, we have a lot of issues with anti-blackness and, um, and with sort of the, the aspiring to whiteness. We have a whole history of that in our respective countries. Um, and, uh, what what I find that does sometimes for me is um, I I occupy in the in the words of Sophia I occupy a white body but also uh, am Latino. Um, sometimes I, I find that <laughs> that becomes almost like oh, the ideal uh, perfect perfect mix and. Um, it, 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 it turns into this very uncomfortable situation where I, I find people of, of a variety of, of skin colors in our, within our community and, um, you know, appearances and races within our community that will favor me. And, um, and it gets me a lot of attention, actually, both from, from men and from dating. I'll, I'll, I'll receive sort of positive uh, attention. Um, and, and it doesn't take long for me to notice that these men um, have a lot of, of internalized sort of anti-Blackness or internalized sort of problems with the self, um, you know, when they're not someone who's white passing, right? And um, all of us, you know, un- within under white supremacy, we grow up and are socialized to aspire to whiteness as, as you know, to get in as much proximity to whiteness as we can. And sometimes I find that that comes out in our, in our choices of who we date. And a lot of times, you know, I have my choices of who I'm interested in, in, in talking to and dating. And, and sometimes a lot of the times the, the men re- in return are choosing me and I'm learning that it's for these sort of toxic reasons, right? It's for these, these, um, which, which, 
you know, I could, <laughs> I could capitalize on that. That's where my privilege comes into play. I have the opportunity to capitalize on that as a white passing person and benefit from it and pay no mind to, uh, to the, all of the problematicness of that setup, right? Um, and that's been a challenge for me lately to, to have to sort of navigate, um, you know, the way in which that my white privilege can, um, can, can put me in this position. And I have to sort of ask myself, um, am I going to, you know, uh, am I, am I going to, and on a situation by situation basis, um, walk away from this because, you know, you, Mr. This person I'm talking to, you, you're someone who uh, clearly has some, some issues with, with the self, some issues to work out with for yourself because we live in a white supremacist society and I have to walk away. It's a challenge. Yeah. I, I totally connected that and I observed this similar thing. And I think what it gets down to is like, what, the level of harm that is happening when someone like you or I right, becomes the face of the ethnic Latinx other, right? Because that, that is like, you know, that's that white supremacy in action. Like <laughs> when the, the sort of exoticized Latinx other is still white, right? Like, and that's not, that's not an accurate reflection of our communities. And that's not, you know, that is anti-Black, um, like you're saying. So I definitely think that that's a conversation that we need to be having and one that I'm starting to get more comfortable with, right? Calling out and it is, you know, it's hard and we're not, you know, this work is not easy. Like we're going to make mistakes along the way, but I definitely think that if we can have a sort of higher level of consciousness about these things, particularly when we are sort of when we are contextually a representation in some way or another, whether or not you are setting yourself up for that representation or it's sort of being put on you, which happens to me a lot in a lot of professional and academic spaces that are very white, um, where I sort of become the token, you know, Latino person. And I need to be comfortable saying like, you know, I'm, but I'm not, you know, I'm not our whole community. Like, um, so yeah, I think it's a really good, point that you bring up. Well, I want to kind of end this conversation with asking you about what dating apps you use. This is uh, no, I'm not getting any, any funding or any, you know, (laughs) kickback. There's no kickback for, (laughs) for you saying, but I'm just curious, is there something that's more popular among, uh, Latinxes, um, is there also some stereotypes that you have to like deal with in the digital world that you have to sort of weed out, right? As we, we're having these conversations about stereotypes and, and um, you know, others' expectations of ourselves and, 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 and race mixed into the, all of this. Um, is the, are, are the apps also part of this game and that you have to sort of, I don't know, uh, curate <laughs> or like, eliminates certain features um uh what what can you tell me about that why don't you start joseph because i i like there's so many things to say and i just i'm also especially interested in like the what are the tendencies like in the queer community right like 
I know I feel like different apps have different space, like play different roles in these different communities. So yes, there's, there's whole subcultures to what, <laughs> to each individual app that you're on. And, um, Oh my goodness. I also though have so many, so many things to say, so many, air, you know, directions I could go with this. Um, I'll just answer that. I only at this moment only have two apps on my phone. And again, I have not been on them very much because of COVID, but um, Grindr <laughs> is the sort of all purpose gay male app. Um, <laughs> you know, what's funny about Grindr. I want to say this about it. I, I had a realization uh, lately. And I realized, you know what, Grindr is so much more than this hookup app. It actually is sort of the sort of like grand central station of just the gay male world. I find if I travel somewhere, like I go on vacation, I, I'm like itchy until I get on Grindr. It's somehow it like orients me. It's, I'm disoriented until I get on Grindr. Just sort of, I just want to see who else is out there. And are there other, <laughs> are there other gay guys around? How many of them are Latino? I don't know. It, it, it has this whole other function. That's where people literally do business on there. I've seen so many ads for business. It's, you know, so so, uh, so Grinder. I'm saying that to say, like Grinder, um, definitely, uh, you know, it plays this role that's even beyond dating, and I definitely have that. Um, it's and more than just my, a good time. It's <laughs> it's quite an interesting time, and I have ample stories that I can pull from 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 Grinder. And the other one is Tinder. Again, I haven't been on there very much. I used to have an app called Chispa, which is specific to Latinos. Um, and it just didn't go very far for me. So I got rid of it. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but um, yeah, I think that uh, being relegated for, for a lot of the gay community to be relegated to uh, to online dating and to just interacting online in general, that if you're going to interact with gay men at all, that you have to do so online. Again, that goes back to the sort of all purpose functionality of Grindr. Um, and you know, I'm thankful for Grinder for a lot of a lot of those functions, and that you know that's why I have it on my phone and I use it. Um, but also, there is a lot of fetishize. This is what I want to speak on for for Latinos, for gay Latino and Black men, um, and especially feminine gay and Latino Black Latino and, and Black men. Um, there is so much fetishizing and sexual objectification that is just inherent to the gay male world towards, uh, towards us. <laughs> I've, I've experienced it. Um, it, it, it honestly uh, often translates into just situations that are just abusive, um, and very manipulative. Um, and it's something that I think <laughs> We we're continuously learning the ways in which it has impacted us. I mean, white supremacy, it makes its way into all of these creeks and crevices of, <laughs> of our world because um, we, it, it's like a lot of us are, are fetishized and objectified in this really problematic way while sim simultaneously um, being, um, being backburnered and, and tossed aside and not valued for our full humanity. Um, and that's just the culture, I think, of most of the dating, dating apps that we have to navigate, um, but especially Grindr, it's, it's a problem. It's, it's a problem. <laughs> um, and yeah, that's what I want to say about that. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm really, um, 
I'm just learning a lot from hearing like your experiences and your perspectives there. Um, I've heard, you know, you sort of affirmed some things that I've heard narratives about Grinder that I've heard, but that's like so fascinating to think about it in as like this. Yeah. Like it's like a mapping like gayness of the whole country. Right. Um, and yeah, I, I would say, oh, and I'm also really glad that you brought up Chispa because that is like a running joke with some friends of mine. <laughs> um, yeah, if you don't know about it, maybe just like, and you're listening and you're like, what? There's such a thing? Yes, it maybe is not worth your time, but if you want a good laugh, you know. Um, <laughs> but in terms of like- Now I want to I wanna go explore Chispa just to, to <laughs> just to laugh maybe. Yeah. <laughs> I, in terms of like where I locate myself in the dating app world, um, right now I, I only ha- am using Hinge and it is something I've only had it for like a, a month maybe. Um, and I know that it's, it's one of the like more, it's like very trendy right now. It's only a few years old, I think. Um, and so, you know, it's like Hinge and um, Bumble, I think are probably in the straight world like in the hetero people world like and this what joseph is saying right about like specifically the dominance and presence of like you know straight white men on these apps for someone like me it's like if you're after you know like a frat daddy chad like that's where you'll find him um (laughs) you know and that that's like a stereotype too but you know then again, these apps do present themselves with like, we see this, like it's a, it becomes a, it's a visible um, archive. Right. Um, And you, you see some of these scripts of how like straight white men specifically are presenting themselves. Um, And a lot of them, you know, these cliches sort of follow suit. At least that's been my observation. Um, I do find that hinge, um, I'm, I'm interested in Hinge because it is designed with a bit more intention and depth. There, of course, are the pictures as usual, but there's um, like more, I think it's very thought out in terms of the prompts and like discussion prompts. So Hinge is like designed to get you to start a conversation with someone. Um, and it does that in like some really interesting ways. Um, and so, I mean... You know, I think online dating apps in general, we can definitely say have come a really long way, like even in the past couple of years. Um, and so there's kind of something out there for everyone. I like that Sophia said, maybe there's hope with dating apps. <laughs> but still, I'm a believer on, like Joseph said, meet cutes. I'm a believer on uh, just striking up a conversation at the grocery store and um, or at the airport and um, and seeing where that goes. So I want to put that in your minds the next well, time you're out. Or, you know, if I meet somebody your age and I'll be that tia that say, Sofia, conozco a alguien que sería muy bueno para ti. I love that. Well, Elena, Elena, if you remember, we kind of had a situation like that and it didn't go so well <laughs> <laughs> oh no uh, yeah 
So, <laughs> what a very awkward, what is it? Meet cute, meet cute, um, meet cute. <laughs> in front of Elena. So she saw how I am. So if you know who he is, I know, I know, <laughs> we both know. know. So you know, now you, you know, we definitely know because if you see him again, that's just a sign, right? Um, but <laughs> and remember times. what I said, I did see him and thought about saying, Hey, <laughs> I, I thought about being that Thea, right. Um, but I, but I didn't, I didn't. It's okay. I give you permission in the future. <laughs> Once the COVID times are gone. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's great. I, um, to be honest, I welcome that. If you want to take that role as a Thea, whatever, I welcome that. That's that's a lot of fun. <laughs> I am completely open to 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 that. But um, especially because I think what I want to end the conversation saying, I think my last thing I'd like to share is <laughs> when I was thinking about the topic and I was thinking about dating and, and my own experience, um, and the conversations that I have with, with other peers of mine that are in my world, um, who, uh, gay, straight, whatever, that, you know, um, share a, a common, there's a common thread that I'm, that I'm finding I'm having in these conversations. And that is the realization for myself, I don't date. I don't really, it, I, don't, it's, I don't really do that. And um, if you were to even ask me to define dating, what is dating? I don't know if I, I could comfortably define it, um, which maybe we should have done at the beginning <laughs> of the conversation. Because when I think, as, if I think about it, what is it that I do? I've been in serious relationships. I've been in, uh, I, you know, my last long-term relationship was very serious. It actually was the whole reason I even moved to Columbus and looked for a job here. I mean, we moved in together. And then it, and then it had a very, very traumatic, tumultuous end <laughs> where all those Latino stereotypes came out, you know, like all, all of the, so I've been through it. I've been through all of it. And yet I can say with full confidence, I don't feel like dating is something that I even, that I do or even know how to do. And, uh, you know, if I think about what is dating and I feel like there's this script that we all somehow have a sense of that we're supposed to follow that, <gasps> maybe you have to meet cute or however you meet. And then someone asks the other person out. And then there's just, again, I'm gonna use the word itinerary. There's this itinerary of like steps to follow. And then even the progression of the relationship, there's these sort of steps that are supposed to, you know, you're supposed to check these boxes before you get to, to you know, to this place along the progression. And that just has never happened for me. I've never followed that natural progression. And as I continue to have these conversations with other peers, I find that they haven't either. The vast majority of the people, you know, in my world, and I have a very diverse um, social circle, diverse sexualities and gender spectrums, and and all across the board, I, I almost wonder if uh, our generation, and I'm at the tail end of the millennials, I, I wonder if there's something about our generation where we are we are now coming to, the, to terms with the fact that this itinerary that was inherited, we inherited from our parents, from the boomers, um, that it doesn't work for everyone. 
especially for queer people, it doesn't work for everyone. And it doesn't have to be the end all be all of, of you know, um, <laughs> our pursuit of a, of a happy, successful life. Um, most of us are, are very career focused. We're very individualized in our, in our, in our goals and aspirations. Um, we're not having kids as much, um, or if we are getting married and having kids, it's much, much later in our lives. And um, so I'm kind of interested to watch what happens with the unfolding of our culture and our as our generation continues to grow what even happens to uh the culture of dating and the expectations that surround it not just because of online dating but in general with with realizing that you know what i don't know if this sort of monogamous heteronormative itinerary um is the end-all be-all for us you know i'm interested to see what happens yes i just this will be my final thoughts is just affirming what you just said, Joseph. Like, I just love that because I also have found that very true, right? Um, dating is not a one size fits all and life in general is not, you know, the same script isn't going to work for everyone. And if the, you know, itinerary that you said that we've inherited from our, you know, parents' generation, if that works for you, great. But if like that doesn't work for you, that's okay too. And, you know, I think that we, it really does get down to like, you just, you do you, like you do you boo boo. Like it really is that, um, that's what I'm finding more and more. Um, and I think that we are starting to have more like collective understanding about this, right. That, that our generation has, you know, disrupted a lot of those expectations. And I think that that trend is definitely going to, to just strengthen and to continue. And so we're really having to adjust, like you were saying at the beginning of your comment, right. Our understandings of what even is dating, like, what does that even mean to us these days? Bueno, pues muchas gracias por esta conversación. Muchas gracias, Elena. Muchas gracias. <laughs> A todos, gracias por escucharnos y recuerden seguirnos en Facebook y de compartir este podcast con otros. Hasta la próxima.